In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about murder powers, untaboo sexiness, and just damn all the fucks in our discussion of Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult, and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Standard disclaimer, I feel like I need to move into the microphone. Oh, it's getting really hot here now. I know, already. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Or I should say, or if you're so fucking excited for the next book that comes out and it's going to be coming out in like a little bit more than a month and you need a recap because you're freaking the fuck out, listen up. That's to the point. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't read it three or four times like I have. If you haven't read it, have you been in a cave? Are you lost on a highland somewhere? You must be one of like six people in the world who has not read Fourth Wing yet. Anywho. So I found some background info. Thank you. Jeez, I've been sitting here. (laughs) Normally you prompt me. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm grabbing a beverage. It's fine. The things that I found for background info, I actually have two different sources, and I have cited them. Thank you. Both of them kind of reference... The new adult genre, which, I mean, it's not really a genre. That's not what it is, but that's what the lay people call it. The, they both, both of these references talk about new adult being a thing. And that's something that Fictional Hangover has been a part of, you know, since Fictional Hangover started. But not a lot of people really get it yet. It's, it's becoming more prevalent in the publishing world And people are starting to pay more attention to it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, new adult stuff coming out of my mouth right now. So the first first source that I have is Young Entertainment Magazine, youngentertainmentmag.com. And they say, what is it about young adult audiences that make you want to write for them? And I loved her response. She said, honestly... I have never published for young adult audiences. And I just wanted to go, ha, thank you for saying that out loud. She says, fourth wing is new adult, written about those years of transition between adolescence and adulthood. I love how much growth takes place at that age and how messy and chaotic our emotions can be while we're figuring out where we belong in the world and what we're going to do with our lives once we're on our own, which is like the whole theme of new adult it's that weird fucking time in your life where everyone's like you're a grown-up now you should be doing important grown-up things and here you are figuring everything out by yourself yeah with hormones (laughs) plus hormones 
So then there's another interview, too, that I read um, on Amazon. It's an Amazon book review. And she says, without new adult, there's a giant gap between YA and adult. And while we might have coming-of-age stories about finding out who we are, which is quintessential to YA, the heart of new adult is what we're going to do with that knowledge. New adult is such a unique genre because while our characters aren't fully mature, as one would expect in the adult genre, they still have very adult decisions to make and often deal with much more dramatic mistakes and consequences as befits that age. And I just love it. I love it so yeah. much. And I love that yeah. we've been talking new adult books since the very, very beginning, even in the before times. But it makes me happy yeah. that more people are paying attention to new adult as a thing. It's a very good um, definition of it as well. Mm-hmm. It's clear. Yeah. Cool. I like it. I like it. It, it does very much fit in the new adult. It does. Oh, it's so perfect there college age protagonists being super fucking sexy <laughs> it's a good job I've got the huskiness going on there yeah That's I know, I know. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts about this one this book is my shit it is this is my shit. I know. Remember remember when I listened to it and I was like, Claire, oh my god, this book. I gimme, 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 gimme. More, 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 more. The I am not on TikTok, okay? Even if I have to do stuff for fictional hangover, I go into TikTok, do what I need to do, and then I run screaming from the yeah, room. Yeah, okay? same, same I, I, I can't do, Mm-mm. I don't understand TikTok. Mm-mm. No, not for um, me. What I did see was I fell down a real wormhole. I was actually watching Viking metal and dwarf metal reels on Instagram. <laughs> and i know and i got pushed through the algorithms um this person reading the reading fourth wing and it was literally her closing the book looking to the camera and going fuck and that was it i was like i need to read this book Mm -hmm. it's got a dragon on the front Mm -hmm. and it makes somebody exclaim fuck at the end Mm -hmm. so this this sounds like what i would like and coincidentally just happened to be going to the bookshop that weekend saw it on the shelf picked it up was like oh my god i need to read this now so i i bought it not because it's any tiktok sensation purely from one video and after that video that, that reel i saw a lot more like momentum and pick up for it and oh my god i'm so glad i i've i've consumed this and i need to consume it again yeah it is just so freaking my shit yeah this is my shit i feel like does everyone remember god has it been two years ago now or was it just the beginning of last year i can't remember when i obsessively listened to into the mist by pc cast over and over and over and over was, and over I think again that was just last year was it i can't remember this is the same thing i literally have listened to it twice and like read the text once yeah too much no Never enough. I deny. Never enough. I deny that. Never enough. <sighs> so we need to get into it because also in my initial thoughts, other than dear Lord, this book, um, 
<laughs> my initial thought is also sit back, friends. This is a long one. I was so shocked when the audio book was 21 hours. I know. It's like 500 fucking pages long. It's huge. It's a huge book. It doesn't feel like a huge book. When you look at the book, it just feels like a normal hardback book because no. I mean, it's not in softback yet. But no, 21 hours. It's huge. It's huge. <sighs> right. Huge. All right. Violet Sorengale is about to begin her first year at Basgayath War College. She has spent her entire life up until this point training to be a scribe like her late father. But her mother, the commanding general, demands that Violet become a writer instead. That is, if she can make it through conscription day. Mira, Violet's older sister, pleads with their mother that Violet isn't even, well, if we're being honest, strong or healthy enough to make it across the parapet. Fragile or not, it doesn't matter. Violet must become a rider or die trying. Fucking great. Not getting parent of the year award. <laughs> Mira, already a successful dragon rider, tries to teach her younger sister everything she can to help her succeed and gives her dragon skill armor and rider boots and takes most of the books out of her pack, including her favorite book of fairy tales she was gifted from their father. As they head toward the parapet, Mira fills Violet up with advice, telling her to avoid the people with rebellion marks, especially Zayden Ryerson, not to make friends, only alliances, and, you know, last and maybe most important, uh, you know, not die. Oh, I thought you were going to say have fun. <laughs> no, no, we don't have fun. Oh, oh. Mm-mm. It's that kind of skill. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, okay. Well, Violet climbs the staircase up the parapet, essentially a balance beam entirely too high up in the air, which is supposed to be similar to being on dragon back. And she, of course, ignores Mira's warning and takes two friends immediately, even sharing her riding boots with one, Rhiannon, to give her a better chance of making it across. <laughs> Here, take my shoe. <laughs> take my shoe, please. As dangerous as this entire situation was, I was giggling at this point going, knew it, knew it. She also sees it and swoons because he's absolutely freaking a hottie. He's gorgeous. Oh, my God. Studly. He is a thirst trap. Oh, my God. But he stares at her and she thinks he's going to murder her at the first opportunity since her mother is responsible for his father's death. Doik! <laughs> his father, however, is responsible for Violet's brother Brannon's death and he led a rebellion so Violet can hate Zayden almost as much as he seems to hate her. Mutual. He might not murder her first thing, since he's a third-year wing leader and pretty important, but Jack Barlow, an asshole in line behind Violet, decides he's going to try. Rhiannon and Violet make it across, though Violet trips and bashes her knee, but the other friend falls to his death. Immediate murder. (laughs) Wait, it's not murder. It's accidental death, but immediate. It's immediate. (laughs) As Jack tries to chase Violet down just as she crosses to the other side, she holds a dagger she carried with her up to his balls. He decides, yeah, 
he's not going to kill her yet. Mm. Does he decide that or do his testicles decide that? She decides that. <laughs> She's making <laughs> it uh, pointed. <laughs> the argument is in favour for life. <laughs> After making it across... Violet runs into her best friend, Dane, who is a second year and a squad leader. She's excited to see him and even more excited when he sends Rhiannon off to tell another in leadership that he wants both of them put into his squad. Violet thinks he's doing this because he's happy to see her. And she also thinks that maybe they'll become more than friends, even though relationships with leadership are frowned upon. But no, he's pretty disgusted that she's here as a writer and plans to sneak her out to the scribes because she's so fragile and weak. Dan. Dan. She made it across the freaking parapet with one bad boot and threatened the guy's balls, didn't she? It's not good enough. It's not good enough for Dane because she also got injured along the way, but she refuses to go to the scribes. Her mother would, like, literally kill her if she did, though, so. You know when you really like a character straight away and then suddenly, you know, within two seconds, you're like, no, man, no. That that, that happened in a paragraph. Yeah, I know. You're so excited. You're like, oh, yay, it's her bestie. Oh, motherfucker. What a misogynistic asshole. Oh, he's the worst. Right. Well, I mean, who's worse, a misogynist or just somebody who wants to murder you? Hard to say. Hard to say. Dean promises to protect Violet. But, like, there's literally nothing he could do, especially when after everyone lines up after crossing the parapet, Zayden swaps Dane's squad with one of his own, putting their group under his watch. (laughs) (sighs) Thoughts and feelings about that, peeps? Now, he can essentially kill her for any small transgression. Yay! Shit. Shit. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Dane keeps trying to sneak Violet away, but she refuses because she's a badass. After the squad swap, several dragons land nearby, and it's the first time some cadets have seen them so close up. One runs away in terror and is promptly burned to death by dragon fire. Mm, crispy. You do not fuck with dragons. Mm-mm. There'll be a strong s- smell of burned people and pee and poo in that, that oh, courtyard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, after this, the cadets learn about their classes and schedules and that they'll be learning history and talking about battles in the more than 400-year-long war and that they'll all be soon fighting in it. Well, I mean, there will be, if they can pass the classes, make their way through the gauntlet, a grinning test of strength and agility, make it through the threshing to be chosen by a dragon, gain powers from the dragon and not explore beforehand, and then survive until graduation. <laughs> but they'll, de- you know, they'll be fighting in, you know, <laughs> just a few baby steps. Yeah, it's fine. Through. Totally it's fine. easy. Bye. It's high school. Yeah. Okay? Oh. Ugh. One is like the other. Exactly the same. <laughs> Violet is an excellent student since she wanted to be a scribe, but she's not so good when it comes to anything physical, which is unfortunate as cadets have to spar with each other and can kill each other without penalty as long as they don't attack while sleeping. 
told you it's high school. <laughs> yeah, murder's that's fine, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Rhiannon and Sawyer, another first year, offer to help Violet fight if she helps them with their studies. It's a good thing because they watch as Jack Barlow snaps a cadet's neck on the mat. Mm. When it's Violet's turn, she spars with Imogen, a second year with rebellion marks, and is stabbed in the ribs. But luckily, mm. she's wearing the armor Mira gave her. <laughs> Since Imogen couldn't actually stab Violet, she breaks her arm instead. <laughs> Fuck. Yikes. So much yikes. Damn. While Dane rushes Violet to the healers who have been taking care of her her entire life, Dane doesn't want them to call the mender a healer with a dragon's gift to save anyone from pretty much anything, so he can send her to the scribes. But Violet insists. After she's mended, Violet goes to her bunk and finds a gift left for her by Mira, a book that their brother Brennan wrote before Mira started at Basgith. Violet loves it and begins reading immediately. Luckily, the first thing she reads is where to find who is going to fight during the sparring. Now, she can be prepared to take on her attackers, and she plans to do so with some poison. (laughs) Violet sneaks out one night to gather mushrooms and berries to use against her opponents, and happens upon a secret meeting of marked ones led by Zayden. It's against the rules for more than three marked ones to gather together, and at first, Violet thinks of telling Dane, but then she realizes that they're not actually doing anything malicious and decides not to tell, even though they start asking Zayden when they can kill her. Damn. (laughs) He says he will handle her, which sounds pretty terrible slash also delicious, but after the group disperses, he catches her and shares that he has the ability to wield shadows, so he totally knew she was there. Instead of handling her, he just kind of gives her advice instead and suggests that she throw daggers at Jack Barlow to get him to leave her alone. That's the exact opposite advice that Dane gives her when she runs into him the next day. He wants Violet to stay away from him, grabs her face, and pleads that she run away to the scribes again. But like, nah, dog. Not, nah, dog. Nah. Not Dan, gonna do it. Dan, like, this, you need to change the tune here. It's, it's got boring now. Well, the next day, the first-year cadets have a class about dragons and learn that there aren't many who will be threshing to choose a rider, so... That's not good. They discuss the different types of dragons, reds, greens, browns, oranges, blues, and black. There aren't any blue ones willing to bond this year, but that's probably good because they're particularly vicious if Zayden's blue dragon tails the gale is any indication. There's only one black dragon in the area, and he's definitely not going to bond with anyone because no one has seen him in five years. He is one of the biggest dragons around and has a morning star tail. Wow. Making him an absolute killing machine. Black dragons are the smartest and most discerning and the only other one around belongs to General Melgren, who has the signet power to see the outcome of any battle. He's very very powerful. 
Signet powers come from the rider but are powered by the dragons. Talk changes to the other black dragon's former rider whose signet power was siphoning and the class learns that he died trying to resurrect Brennan, Violet's brother. Wow. After class, the professor tells Violet that, though she has very impressive siblings, that she is smarter than both of them. I mean, what a compliment. Oh my god. Whoa. Wow. Like, thank you. It's not... That compliment does not last long. Because now no. it's it's time for sparring again. Damn. And we all know how great Violet is at sparring. <laughs> Jack taunts Violet, and she takes Zayden's advice and throws daggers at him, which, of course, makes him angry. Dane (laughs) freaks out because he doesn't want to see her get hurt. But she does just fine for the next few weeks of sparring since she poisons all her opponents. Love it. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. So the poisoning works, and no one seems to notice that she's doing it except Zayden, who takes the place of one of her opponents who got sick before their match could begin. Zayden (laughs) easily and sexily disarms (laughs) Violet of the several daggers she wears, calls her violence, and teaches her the best ways to take down opponents without poisoning them. Dane is appalled that Zayden didn't kill Violet, and shocking no one, touches her face and suggests again that she run away to the scribes because it's almost time for the gauntlet. Goddamn. Broken record. (laughs) Well, the gauntlet. The gauntlet is a terrifying timed challenge that is supposed to simulate the ways Dryders are interacting with their dragons during battle. They are hanging balls and rotating logs and spinning wheels and vertical climbs with ropes between each challenge. This sounds like hell on earth to me. It's Krypton Factor stuff I would not manage. I would be dead before even the starting whistle came. Cadets can use the ropes to retry a challenge, but they will add a time penalty, which obviously no one wants to have. The cadets have a few weeks to practice before they will face the gauntlet for real and proceed to threshing. If they don't make it through the gauntlet, then they get to go home. <laughs> no. 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 They die. Wah, wah. <laughs> After those weeks, Violet has never made it to the top because she's too short and has no idea what she's going to do. Do you know what, Violet? I have those. I, I feel you. I feel you. That's so hard. Well, Dane offers her to the scribes again. Oh my God, Dane, time, fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this time, she actually does think about it. Uh. Oh. Zayden encounters her the night before, though, and they have like a semi-heartfelt conversation about how she's allowed herself to hope she will succeed. And he tells her that the right way to do things isn't the only way before he leaves her alone. Oh, some uh, sexy words of wisdom. No. It's finally Violet's turn to go up the gauntlet after seeing several of her friends make it to the top. She has a plan, but she's not sure it's going to work. But she does it anyway. When she gets to the part she's failed at over and over and over and over and over again, 
a chimney climb. She pulls a rope over and uses it to make it all the way up, knowing that she's going to earn a penalty, but not technically cheating. (laughs) After the chimney is a nearly vertical ramp that she's never faced before, and she knows she won't be able to make it up on her own, so she runs as fast as she can and then plunges one of her daggers into the wall and uses it to climb the rest of the way to the top of the gauntlet. She did it! Yay! Yes! Amber Mavis, one of the other wing leaders, accuses Violet of cheating. But Violet, with all her scribe training, quotes the actual rules to Amber and states that she brought that dagger with her from home and carried it over the parapet, which means, according to the rules, it's a part of her and perfectly allowed to be used during the challenge. Zayden... Do not challenge a librarian. No, don't fuck with librarians, ma'am. Don't fuck with librarians, ma'am. Zayden agrees with Violet. She's conquered the gauntlet, and now she gets to go before the dragons. Oh, and maybe shit, not get burned or eaten. Oh, shit, man. This is... <laughs> Whew. Whew. Uh, before threshing, the cadets have a chance to walk amongst all the dragons. They are instructed to chat and act normally, so Violet talks to Rhiannon about her family, and then they talk about the folk tales they all heard when they were children, about Venon, magic wielders, that steal their magic from the earth who created their own giant flying monsters, Wyvern, that are almost exactly like dragons, except, like, bigger, and have two legs instead of four. While they walk and talk, they encounter a feather-tailed dragon, a very small yellow dragon. All the jerk cadets joke that it should be killed or that Violet should bond with her because they're both small and pathetic. What assholes? Oh God, it's It's still a freaking dragon. Have some respect. And have some respect for Violet. She's got through the gauntlet now. Come on. Any any rage, rage clap. Two of the more annoying cadets, that's a simplified way of putting it, get burned to death. (laughs) And then Violet worries... That's going to happen to her too, especially when two green dragons start sniffing her. <laughs> Fuck. Would you be like smelling your breath and your armpits? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. She realises that they are smelling her dragon scale armour and tells them the scales came from her sister's dragon, Tien. When the day of threshing arrives, all the remaining cadets enter the forest, hoping to be chosen by a dragon. Hours pass, and Violet doesn't feel a connection to any of them. But then she sees Jack Barlow and two of his cronies go off in search of the golden dragon to kill it. Violet won't let that happen. So she follows them and stands up for the little dragon while trying to convince it to fly away to safety. Zayden arrives with his dragon, Sigail, but is not allowed to step in to stop what's happening. The three men attack Violet, so she tosses a dagger into Jack's shoulder, and he runs away like a motherfucking coward. Mm -hmm. The other two continue to attack her, and she manages to fight one off for a bit and knock him out. But then, when things start to look most dire, Zayden takes a step forward. (gasps) Before he can do anything that he's not supposed to do, a huge black dragon appears and burns one of the attackers to death and tells Violet, inside her head, that she should kill the attacker she knocked out. 
She refuses, and then he demands she climb up on his back. The giant black dragon that no one has seen for five years has chosen Violet, and the little golden dragon flies away as if it wasn't almost just killed. As Violet rides her dragon, she tells her his name, which is kept a secret from non-riders. So why should we know? We're not riders. He is called Tenenok, or Ten. They are flying to meet up with the rest of the dragons after threshing to report that they have bonded to the generals. But Violet is so small that she has trouble staying on his back. Most dragons would let a rider fall to their death if they were unable to stay seated, but Ten catches Violet each time she slips. Oh, he's a grumpy sweetie. I love him. They land, and when it's Violet's turn to share her dragon's name, she does. But Jen, she kind of hears a smaller voice in her mind, too. It's the little golden dragon, Andarinum, or Andarna for short. And she has chosen Violet as well. Two dragons? Oh, shit, that can't be allowed. What the hell? <laughs> the dragons gather and confer. Dean, of course doesn't believe that she will be allowed to have two dragons and tries to get Violet to choose Andana instead of Ten because he's too powerful her. So she's so fragile. She's so weak and fragile. <sighs> Good thing it's not up to him then, isn't it? It's up to the dragons who have decided that both dragons are hers. Screw you, Dan. Screw you. you. Fucking asshole. After the Empyrean, the gathering of dragons is called, make their decision, everyone celebrates. Most of Violet's classmates survived and bonded with dragons. She has to explain what happened and how she came to have two dragons, which involves telling her friends that she was attacked. Dane is upset that Taren is bonded to Violet because he is mated to Segale, which means that Violet and Zayden are now a pair. Oh, no! Whether they like it or not. Oh. Mated dragons can't be apart from each other for more than a few days, which is going to be very interesting. All the new riders are then marked with relics by their dragons, almost like tattoos, and Dane comes to see Violet's, which involves unlacing her vest. No one cares that Dane's doing it, though. Fuck off, Dane. <laughs> Violet sees her own back through Andarna's eyes and loves the beautiful black and gold dragons across her shoulders. Dane then tells her he would do anything to keep her safe grabs her face and kisses her. But instead of feeling ecstatic that her best friend finally like likes her, <laughs> she feels nothing. Wah, wah. <laughs> I only imagine it's like kissing your brother. Ugh. Ugh. Blah, blah. Ugh. After waking up in her own room the next day instead of the barracks, now that she's a rider, Violet gathers with her friends to eat and finds that everyone is much nicer to her since she's bonded to Ten and Andana. Even Imogen and several others with rebellion marks. It then occurs to her that all of the marked ones are being nice to her because her fate is now tied to Zayden's. She sees him across the room, sexily eating an apple, <laughs> and she feels all tingly. 
She knows that Zane has told them to help keep her, his mortal enemy, alive. Damn it. Why is he so goddamn beautiful? Damn that boy. But he's also so dangerous. I think the dangerousness this is part of the sexiness this this this. But really, there's no time to think about that now. Just have some water for that first. It's time to practice dragon riding. Violet is terrible at it. She falls off so many times, bless her. But Ten always catches her. Later, to help make her stronger, Imogen begins training her. A month passes and Violet starts working in the archives a little, taking books and scrolls back after classes and picking up new ones. She encounters her friend, Jesenia, who is a first-year scribe now, and asks her to see if they have a copy of the folktales she and her father used to read together since she had to leave her copy behind. But Jesenia has never heard of such a book and can't find any indication that they've ever had it in the library. That's weird. Basgaith has a copy of, like, every book ever Unless it's forbidden. But it's fairy tales? Why, like, why, would, why would that be forbidden? Why would that be a banned book? It's a good thing we're reading this during Banned Books Month. <laughs> Violet leaves the library a little bit confused. Do you know what? She probably said, oh, it's a fairy tale book and the cover's blue. <laughs> no, she didn't. She called it by its proper title. <laughs> She is a respectful library user. <laughs> well, she's a former scribe, so I'll let her off. While eating with the others from her squad, Violet finds out that one of her friends, Sawyer, has manifested abilities of metallurgy. That's so cool. But he's also afraid he's going to stab himself with a fork or something while eating, <laughs> and then they talk about what will happen if they never manifest a signet. They'll pretty much just explode. Shrug. Later, after flight lessons, Violet runs into Dane, who is furious at her for falling off tan all the time. Do you know what? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Oh my god. I think it's come across how much Dane pisses us off. Fuck him. So much worse than the actual book, though. Jesus, fuck. He asks why she keeps falling, which means she has to explain all her faults, which isn't a pleasant thing. Personally, I would say, Dan, you know what? None of your business. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And quite frankly, Dan really needs to stop being a dick. <laughs> Their fight is interrupted by another cadet who starts screaming that he can hear voices. He's manifested a signet power too, and his mind reading like everyone and you know what it's not allowed nope not okay Zayden arrives by Violet's side and tells her to start thinking of random knowledge that she has unless she wants all her secrets revealed so she does but then Garrick Zayden's friend and fellow marked one starts to say something about the mind reader revealing something important maybe their secret meeting that Violet knows about Zayden wraps the cadet up in shadows and then Professor Carr, who teaches the cadets about their powers, rushes up and snaps his neck. Fuck. Damn. Damn. That night, 
While Violet is sleeping and dreaming of her father, Tern shouts in her head for her to wake up. Seven cadets who didn't bond with dragons, wait, no, six, six are unbonded, are there to kill her in hopes of taking Tern away from her. Violet recognizes one who is bonded as she runs away. One of the attackers is Orin, who was the, one of the three that attacked her on Threshing Day that she refused to kill stupidly. Oh my god, you totally should have killed that fucker. Anyway, excuse me. Violet's room is so small and she really doesn't know what to do trying to take on six cadets at once. Taryn is in her head trying to help her out and also telling her to hold on as long as she can because Zayden is coming. Just as the cadets are about to kill her and Darna screams mine inside Violet's head and time stops. <gasps> what the fuck? Whoa. As Violet backs away from her frozen attackers, Zayden arrives and time resumes. He uses his shadows to kill every single attacker at once, except for Orin. He slashes his throat with a dagger. Oof, oof, love it. Ooh, delicious. Love it. It's amazing. Violet is in full freak out mode after this attack, understandably. And whatever happened with, you know, time. <laughs> so as Zayden's marked friends, Garrick and Boaty, and some others come to clean up the bodies, Zayden helps Violet put on her shoes. <laughs> he gently checks to see if she has any broken bones and then takes her out a secret way to the flight field. As they walk, they flirt mercilessly, honestly. <laughs> You, you know when two people are flirting so badly it's like get a fucking room mm. you are screaming at this point get a fucking room man fuck but yeah they're also really angry at each other as well because it's Violet and Zayden and Violet wishes she didn't feel so turned on by Zayden all the time oh my god he is such oh Ugh. Make it to the field and find Ten and Andara and uh, Sigil as there too. Ten and Sigil talk inside both Violet and Zayden's minds, but only Violet can hear Andara, who reveals to Violet that she stopped time. As a feather tail, she can directly give her powers to her rider, but that's super dangerous. If anyone else knew that about feather tails, they would absorb all of their powers just like the venom do in Violet's old fairy tales. Violet promises not to hurt Andana or use her time-stopping powers unless extremely small increments and it's absolutely necessary. But Andana knows that. And so do Tern and Sigil. Zayden asks if Andana is their baby dragon and feels hurt that Sigil will keep that from him, but no, she's not. Andana's parents were killed before she hatched, and so Ted and Sigil took her under their wings. As Zayden and Violet head back after their dragons leave, he asks how the attackers got into her room, and Violet tells him that a rider let them in, but ran away before he got there. Damn. The next day, 
While the cadets are gathered to hear morning announcements, all of Violet's friends see her injuries, which include strangle marks on her neck. And they're disgusted that anyone would attack another cadet while they're sleeping. That's like the only rule they have? Like, you just got the one. Just follow the one rule. It's not hard. Zayden swaps one of his marked ones, Liam, into their section under Dane's command and makes him Violet's bodyguard. She's furious, of course, and doesn't think that she needs a bodyguard, but she was literally almost just murdered by seven people. Plus, if she dies, Zayden dies too, and we just can't have that happen. The Commandant speaks to the cadets after the announcements, which is extremely rare, and he alerts them all to a breach of the Codex that happened the night before. Dane finally realizes that something happened to Violet and is mad that she didn't tell him immediately that she was attacked. Why would she? Dude, you are not important anymore. Nope. Piss off. You're the worst. Zayden is called up to speak and Violet watches him swooningly, realising she wants him and only him. She would do nasty things to and with him. Yeah, right now in front of everyone. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, she is, she is, she's wet. Zayden explains what happened the night before with the six unbonded cadets and one rider. He says he executed the cadets, but the rider left before he arrived. Then he reveals who the rider was. Gasp. Wing leader Amber Mavis. She was the one who accused Violet of cheating during the gauntlet. She shrieks that she was only doing what was best for the wing, killing off the weakling. But how it was done, it simply is not allowed. Dan attempts to use his signet power, seeing memories, on Violet because he doesn't believe that Amber would do such a thing. But he tries to use his powers without Violet's permission because he's an asshole. God, Not only does she not want him to touch her without asking, she can't let him see that Andana stopped time. She instead asks Tan to share her memories with the dragons who have gathered which is never done, and then the dragons share with their riders. Everyone is disgusted with Amber, who turn then burns to death in front of everybody. Violet didn't want her to die, because Violet is nice. (sighs) Soft. But she's made that mistake too many times in the past and Tan won't have it. Thank Violet you, Tan. Violet needs to learn sometimes you have to murder a bitch. Sometimes you gotta murder a bitch. Mm-hmm. A week or so passes and Violet, with her constant companion Liam, heads to archive duty. While they wait on Jacinia to gather their materials, Violet asks Liam about how he and Zayden know each other. They were adopted by the same person after their parents were killed after the rebellion, which Violet didn't know was a thing. She also thought that only Liam's mother was killed. That's what she read anyway. But he informs her that he had to witness his father's death as well as his mother's. It seems that not all the information she learned when she was studying to become a scribe is correct. 
Zayden has also helped Liam survive and taught him how to fight and has done so much to help all of the marked ones. When Jessenia returns, she's got a scroll that needs to be delivered, which accidentally falls and opens. As Violet retrieves it, she sees that a town on, a, on the southern border has been ransacked and the wards are weakening. That can't be good. Violet re-rolls the scroll, expecting to hear more about this when she goes to Battle Brief later. But she doesn't. Instead, the lessons are about battles from hundreds of years ago. They also learn that whichever team wins the squad battle that's coming up soon will get to see what life is like on the front lines of war. That's supposed to be a good prize to win? Yay? Go to Disneyland instead? Nope. Go to war. Damn it. At sparring practice later, Violet is training with Rhiannon, but then Zayden and Garrick spar shirtless in the middle of the room, God. and basically everyone just stops toggling them. It's so hot. Oh my God. I mean, you would. Dane snaps at everyone, and Violet and Rhiannon start practicing again. Ten roars in Violet's head that she should be working harder, which flusters her, and she gets knocked down. Jack starts mocking her and threatening her again and tells her he's going to challenge her soon and will snap her neck. Oh, he's delightful. But she stands up to him and calls him out for running away during threshing. <laughs> One of his remaining sycophants offers him some orange and he freaks the fuck out. But then Zayden and Liam and Garrick and Imogen move in to protect Violet, so he leaves. Zane starts in on her too by blocking out Ten and not wearing her armour, but again Violet stands up for herself. Ten and Andana decide that she is ready to start channeling magic since she was able to defend herself. That night, Violet is frustrated with herself about ogling Zayden and decides she needs to get laid. But the only one she wants is him. Then, energy overwhelms her and she crashes to the floor. Taryn's power is immense, but then it rolls over her rhythmically again and again, and she realizes that the power is only focusing on one part of her anatomy. Oh, great. (laughs) Taryn and Sigail are getting busy. Oh! Violet runs outside in the winter air to try to cool herself off. (laughs) But she runs into Zayden, who is suffering with the same affliction. Just less so because he knows how to block his dragon from his mind. After some intense and longing looks and threats to climb Zayden like a tree, he agrees (laughs) to teach her how to shield. She's able to do it impressively fast and envisions herself inside the archives with a big lock on the door that she puts Tern and his power outside of. She can still feel his power and his lust, but it's much easier to handle. Also easier to handle, Zayden. He finds Violet astounding, and then they kiss, and it's amazing! At last! Even though neither of them really want to, they go their separate Mm. ways. Before they do anything, they'll regret. Uh Uh-huh. 
And everyone Bold. reading the book goes, oh, fuck. Come on. No, that's the problem. I know. That's the problem. They don't. I know. Violet, of course, tells Rhiannon what happened with Zayn the next day and then worries that things are going to be weird between them. But, like, you know, they already are on account of all the sexual tensions. So... <laughs> Violet worries what her life with Zayden is going to be like after he graduates because their dragons can't be separated for long. Before they can talk more about that though, Rhiannon shares what happened to her the night before. She developed her signet. Yay! Yay! She's able to summon items by making them disappear and reappear at will, which is amazing! amazing! They go to class after that, but Dan stops Violet to talk. He's still upset, boo-hoo, about Violet not telling him she was attacked. Get over yourself, Dan, and getting help from Zayden. She stands up for herself, again, we cheer, and basically tells Dan to get over it and the fact that she and Zayden are tied together now because of their dragons. And we clap. Time passes and all of Violet's friends develop their signet powers while she is still left behind. She feels like if she doesn't develop her soon, she's going to explode. But she's got more important things to worry about. Jack Barlow is challenging her in their next sparring match and she's afraid she's not going to survive. She has a plan, but will she be able to pull it off? They begin fighting, and Violet is quick, but Jack breaks all the rules and throws knives and then uses his signet powers on her, which seem to electrocute her. As she's violently shaking and about to pass out, she shoves a vial of orange oil into his mouth, and he almost immediately goes into anaphylactic shock. Yay! <laughs> Woo! Zayden is impressed with her ingenuity, but not impressed with anything else about her fighting skills. He decides that he's going to take over her training on the mat, and god damn is it sexy. And so are the daggers he had made for her. Damn! Oh, oh my god, who knew daggers were her love language? Oh my god. <laughs> February passes and March arrives. Zayden takes Violet out of her classes one day for flight training. Dane puts up a fuss, as per usual. Shut up, Dane. But as Zayden and Violet head to the field, they encounter the Commandant, Dane's father, Colonel Estos, and Violet's mother, the Commander General. They turn their noses up at Zayden and ask Violet about her inability to wield and if she's gained any powers from Andana. She doesn't let on that Andana gave her the ability to stop time. Zayden is surprised that Violet didn't tell her mom, but like they don't exactly have the best relationship. Do they have a relationship? I was about to say, or any relationship <laughs> at all. She and Zayden continue on to the flight field, and Violet is excited to see that Andana is flying with them this time. Yay! Yay! She's such a cutie. Now it's April and time for a squad battle. There are challenges that each squad goes through, like sparring and flying, and they're given points based on how well they do. Violet's squad is close to winning, and if they manage to come out on top of the final challenge, they will be the winners. The final task is to bring something to the battle brief room that would give an advantage to their enemies, and Violet knows just what to do. 
She convinces her squad to break into her mother's office and take something from there. They all use their signets in some way to make it into and out of the office and search. Violet reads missives from the other areas that seem to be begging Commander General Sorengale to send reinforcements. Violet had no idea how bad things were outside of Basgaith, but that's not what she's supposed to be focusing on. Then she finds exactly what they need to take. The map that has every battle station and everything important about the war marked on it. Of course they win. Violet feels like she won even more when Zayden smiles at her. Oh my god, she's got it so bad. Oh my god. So, since they won, Violet's team heads to uh, Montserrat, a town that is relatively safe, but still front lines. This makes Violet happy because, surprise, that's where her sister Mira is stationed. It makes Rhiannon happy, too, because that's where her family lives. She and Violet plan to sneak out one night to visit, but of course, they run right into Mira, who luckily goes along with them. While Rhiannon spends time with her family, Violet and Mira catch up. Mira has a badass scar that she got from a griffin, a massive eagle lion that the enemies ride and channel power from instead of dragons. Violet complains about not manifesting a signet and they also talk about Dean. Mira expected them to be the best of friends, or, you know, maybe more, but no, he's a dick. Zayden, however... Mira wants Violet to be safe about him since he's the son of the rebellion leader, but Violet can't help but trust him. He's done nothing but help her. As they leave Rhiannon's house, Mira tells Violet that she has an old book of folk tales for her that she made her leave behind on conscription day, which makes her very, very happy indeed. Something that also makes her happy, even though she can't let on that it does is when Zayden shows up. <sighs> Apparently, Sigel and Taren can't be separated for more than three days. So Zayden's basically been freaking out since Violet left. Now that he's here, he's got to act just like one of the squad instead of a wing leader and attend all the meetings and lessons everyone else is going through. In one pretend battle brief led by Mira, while everyone is scheming and forming the best ideas to attack the Griffins, and while Dane is constantly complaining about Zayden being there, Zayden speaks inside Violet's head. Oh. What? <laughs> Violet asks Terror how he's doing that, and her dragon explains it's just like talking to Sigale. They all have a bond. Zayden says very flirtatious things to Violet while she can't say anything back, which they both seem to enjoy, though Violet does flip him off and elbow him several times. This is probably one of my most favorite scenes of the entire book. It is a beautiful flirt. You know for a fact Zayden enjoys being flipped off and elbowed. Oh my god. After the session, Mira drags Violet, Dane, and Zayden outside to yell at them. Mostly Dane and Zayden. She yells at Dane because she knows he's being and has been a dick and tells him his petty attitude is ruining his chances of progressing to wing leader. She yells at Zayden because she's afraid Violet is going to miss out on lessons the next year because their dragons are mated and she'll have to leave to be with him. Zayden puts Mira in her place about that. In case she didn't notice, he is the one who came to her. 
he did not force her to leave her assignment. As they began to argue more, they all get alerts from their dragons. There's a group of griffins heading their way. Mira begs Violet to leave and Zayn to keep her sisters safe, then takes off for battle. Violet doesn't want to leave, but Zayn pleads for her to do so so she doesn't get hurt, for his sake. He kisses her passionately. Ah, oh, we all swoon, as Ten swoops down to fly her away. And he and Sigil follow. Some time passes, and Violet is worried that Mira was killed in the attack near Montserrat. But she finally finds out that no one died. It's a good thing she learned that, because now it's time for the war games. So she needs to have her wits about her. She also learns how to speak back to Zayden in his mind, so they get even more secretly flirty with each other. (laughs) He's also made a saddle for Taren to wear so she can keep her seat during flight. It's an amazingly thoughtful gift, just like the daggers he had made for her, but it's also helpful for Taren, who doesn't have to waste his magic and energy keeping Violet on his back or catching her every time she falls. The squad finds out that they are supposed to collect an egg from the other squads and also keep a flag protected at all costs, meaning nothing is against the rules and everything goes in this fight. Jack Barlow, of course, takes this to the extreme and is fighting to kill everyone he encounters. Liam and his dragon, Day, approach Jack, and Jack stabs Liam with a sword and he falls. Violet is terrified of losing Liam, who has been her sidekick, protector, and friend for the past few months. She uses Andarna's power to stop time, so she and Taren can reach Liam before he crashes to the ground and dies. After Liam and his dragon are out of harm's way and Andarna is quietly resting, Violet feels a humongous surge of power and hatred at Jack. She's been worried that her signet would never come and she would explode with pent-up power, but now she unleashes it as a huge bolt of lightning that destroys the tower Jack is on, collapsing it and sending Jack tumbling, lifeless, down to the ground. His dragon is sad, but Taren is ecstatic. Violet is a lightning wielder, and it's the coolest fucking power. Fucking amazing. (sighs) And she's also a killer, which uh, she has extreme trouble coping with. Dan tells Violet that she never has to use her powers again. Shut up, Dan. But Zayden arrives and basically tells him to fuck right off. Thank you very, very much. He says what we're all thinking. <laughs> it's just absolute nonsense. <laughs> she laments that Rhiannon can essentially teleport stuff. Liam can see long distances. Sawyer can manipulate metal. Mira can extend wards. Dean can see people's memories. And she is a lightning controlling murderer. <laughs> I fucking love lightning control. Oh God, I know. Murderer. I know. That would be oh, so, so cool. Zayden tells Violet that she has the power to save cities with her signet, or entire kingdoms even, but she's still struggling with it. Rhiannon helps Violet get back to her room and comments on the weird relationship she has with Zayden, and when Violet argues that she doesn't have one, honest. Methinks the lady doth protest too much, and so does Rhiannon. And you know what? Rhiannon's totally right. Oh my god. She sees all, she knows all. Later that night, 
while Violet is feeling sorry for herself and also very, very angry, Zayden <laughs> comes to her room. After some banter and compliments and offers of being Violet's punching bag, the two of them end up having very passionate, shadow-swirling, lightning-crashing sex, and it's everything the both of them have been wanting for months. Us two. Hallelujah. <laughs> After they're finally finished, and her room is practically destroyed, and it turns out the forest was set on fire from her lightning... They clean up and spend the rest of the night together in her bed, and it's amazingly peaceful, even though Zayden tells her not to fall for him. Too late! <laughs> the next day, Professor Carr comes knocking at Violet's door and takes her out for training to control her signet. Since she can't even seem to control it while she's sleeping, he says, har, har, har. She was not sleeping, she was fucking. <laughs> she struggles to make the lightning strike until Professor Carr suggests she put herself back in the same position she was in before when she was able to use her powers. Um, <laughs> excuse me, that's uh, not going to happen. <laughs> Until Two you... minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you help me with the zip? <laughs> but then she reaches out to Zayden in their minds, and he shows her images of herself through his eyes. She floods with passion and is able to call the lightning with ease, if not accuracy. <laughs> Just put yourself oh. back into the same position there, friend. Like, oh, okay, which one? It, which wait, position it, are we going to go with? Up against the armoire? No, it was 33, <laughs> was it? On top of the desk? It could have been position A. <laughs> Definitely two. De Definitely two. <laughs> and then we see on 69 as well. <laughs> well, That's amazing. Zin comes to Violet's room later. And they try not to be like walking around each other as they clean up her mess of a room. It's completely trashed. Violet wants to know more about Zayden and asks where he goes when they're not together. And he gives the name of an outpost, Athburn. But nothing more. That's it. That seems to be enough for Violet, who understands that wing leaders, especially ones as powerful as Zayden, are often called away to take care of duties. As they continue to clean, Violet sees that their sexcapades... And Tom reached the book of folk tales that she got back from Mira that belonged to her father. While she's looking at the binding, she sees a hidden note from her father. The note talks of folklore being passed from generation to generation and how it only takes one desperate generation to change or even erase history. Ooh. But he knows she'll make the right decision when the time comes. Uh, what? thanks for that cryptic message. What, what does this mean? What? <laughs> uh, okay. Her father did get a little weird after Brennan died, but, I mean, does that explain this letter? Why do parents leave cryptic notes for people? No, stop it. Look, if anyone found that, though, it could be bad. True, true. Okay, we'll say, we'll say rather than cryptic, it's coded. Violet and Zayden discuss Venon and Wyvern for a bit. Zayden telling stories his father told him about Venon, biding their time and planning to steal all the magic in the kingdom. 
Violet thinks that Zayden is sad about his father, so she tries to change the subject, but they end up being all very flirtatious again until they decide they better not end up falling for each other. Well, Violet has already failed miserably at that. And, you know, probably Zayden too, let's be fair. If anyone is going to be honest with themselves, <laughs> these two are mad for each other. They just are. just need to admit it to themselves. Yeah, oh my god. Graduation is coming soon, which will be difficult for Violet and Zayden. But first, there's a reunification celebration that the king is putting on, and one more part of the war games. Reunification is a fancy way of celebrating the death of all the rebels. So Zayden and the rest of the marked ones are not enjoying themselves. In fact, Zayden's not even around anywhere. Liam escorts Violet up to see the king, who is walking with Violet's mother. The king discusses Violet's powers, and then talk turns to the marked ones, who the king, Violet's mother, and General Melgren seem completely disgusted by. Violet's hackles rise, especially when they talk about Zayden and how it's good that Taryn and Segale are mated so she can keep an eye on him. Violet realizes that Liam is super uncomfortable, plus she wants to find Zayden, so they leave the celebration celebration. Ugh. Ugh. Violet finds Zayden in the middle of the parapet, which she hasn't been on for nearly a year. And now, dressed up in her fancy outfit she wore to the celebration, she heads out there to be with him. She hates that he's alone while everyone is essentially celebrating his father's death. Before Zayden can be too upset with her for dangerously walking out on the parapet, Violet tells him she doesn't care that he told her not to fall for him because he's clearly already fallen for her. He's always there for her at her side, helping her out, teaching her things, making her goddamn beautiful daggers and a saddle and taking care of her. She leads him off the parapet and up to his room to take care of him for once. Oh, wink. Violet and Zayden are together for hours and she confesses that she loves him and that she shatters his window with her electric orgasms. <laughs> Unfortunately, their time together is cut short because Basgayath is under attack. Damn. Garrick comes to let them know that they need to get to the flight field. Zayden puts his jacket on Violet, which is precious, and Rhiannon notices immediately. But then they're out getting their instructions and learn that there isn't actually an attack, but that this is the final event of the war games. Colonel Atos announces that the wards are down in several places and that many villages are under siege from tons of griffin riders. Zayden and Violet are sent to separate areas. Zayden to the same little town he mentioned he was sent to earlier, which it turns out is outside the dragon's wards. But then he comes back and tells Dane that Violet, Liam, and Imogen will be coming with him. Tern tells Violet that everything will be okay. And of course, she trusts him and Zayden too. Dane argues that Violet will be safer with him and then says that this is what Zayden has been scheming all along to take Violet away and hurt her to get revenge on her mother. That is fucking ridiculous. He Although, is so self-centered. Violet does think that Dane's father is sending Zayden to that area outside the wards as punishment. 
But it doesn't matter because, you know, they're leaving. They fly for hours and are attached with a little harness to turn saddle and stop for a break near the outpost by Athbine. And then Zayden takes Violet aside. Kiss. Unfortunately, after that, Griffin riders arrive. Zayden turns protectively to shield Violet and tells her he'll explain and then tells the Griffin riders that they're early. Uh, um, excuse me, what? 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 Excuse me? Um, what? 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 Zayden, bombshell alert, is helping the Griffin riders. Oh my god. He's a traitor, just like he's got down father. So, are all the other marked ones? Because, you know, they're all right here too? What the hell? The Griffin Riders are actually called Flyers and have arrived early to pick up their shipment of weapons to alert Zayden and the others that the Venon are approaching and will soon attack. What? Again? Uh, what? Stop what? it. What? What? <laughs> bombshell after bombshell. Venon? Are real? What? what? Violet has a lot of trouble understanding what is going on. And do you know what? She's fucking furious. But she's not only angry at Zayden for keeping all of this from her. She's also mad at both their dragons. Because they've known about this all times. <sighs> but wait. There's more. No! Did her father leave her a message warning her of this and telling her he knows she'll make the right decision? Oh, cryptic message alert. The flyers wish Zayn good luck in getting Sorengill to fight for anyone outside the borders. Shit. Goddamn shit. Zayden tries to explain to Violet what is going on. That the Venom are real and that the weapons he's given the Griffin Flyers are made from the same thing that powers the wards. And the wards are why the Venom have never gotten close to Bezgaeth. He tells her he's never lied to her and isn't lying to her now, but he needs to know if she's going to go with him to Athbine and if she's going to tell Dane what she's seen. Because if she does, everything he's been doing to protect the people outside the wards will be lost. She agrees to go but is very wary and her trust is completely broken. When they arrive at Athbine, it's completely deserted, but Liam can see something approaching in the distance. There's a missive from Colonel Atos that says Zayden has a choice to abandon their enemy or abandon command of his wing. Oh, shit. Dane's father knew they were helping the Griffin Flyers at Athbine, and Zayden knows how. Dane's memory reading power. He took the name of this outpost from Violet's memory, without her permission. All he needed to do was touch her face, which he does all the fucking time. And now, the Venon are coming. They've been sent to this outpost to die. Fuck! Fuck! Well, I mean, things go downhill quickly. They've already... The shit has hit the fan, and now we're sliding that in the shitty sloosh. Ugh. 
Seven Griffin flyers arrive and tell Zayden and his group to leave because four Venon are coming and it only took two of them to bring down an entire city. And then they see Wyvern too. Zayden asks everyone what they want to do and everyone agrees that they will stay and fight even Violet. Zayden gives Violet daggers that will kill the Venon and tells her to stay alive so he can tell her everything she wants to know. She hates she still loves him but she does and then they launch into the air on their dragons and send Andara away to hide there are at least six wyvern but more keep showing up it's an entire horde the fight is horrible but ten helps violet realize that the venom and the wyvern are just like dragons and their riders if one dies their companion dies too and in the case of venom when one of them dies, every wyvern they created will die. Whoa. But it takes a long time to realise that. It takes too long to realise that. The battle is just fucking painful. Violet uses her lightning power, but she cannot control it enough to strike true when she needs it to. So she burns a lot of her energy and turns too. Zayden uses his shadows to protect people on the ground, and Liam, Imogen, Garrick, and Bodhi fight alongside the Griffin Flyers. Unfortunately, Day, Liam's dragon, is killed by a wyvern, which kills Liam too, and it's so heart-wrenching. Violet is filled with rage. After seeing her friend and his dragon die, Violet decides she will stop at nothing to kill every single monster left. She and Taren fly off, but soon a venon jumps from a wyvern and plunges a sword into Taren's back. <sighs> Taren's not really bothered by the tiny sword, but Violet is furious. She unstraps herself from her saddle and goes to fight. Zayden surrounds her in shadows, but the venom stabs her with a poison dagger before she is able to kill it. But kill it, she does, causing several wyvern to fall from the sky as well. Which is when Violet realizes they're connected. There looks to be only two venom left by the time Violet realizes the connection, and one of them looks to be the leader. She tells Zayden to kill the other one as she uses every ounce of her strength and turns to go after the leader. Andana comes to help and, with their combined powers, time slows as Violet pulls one thread of lightning directly into the leader. He dies and even more wyvern fall from the sky. As Violet slips from turns back, completely drained of power and full of poison, Zayden grabs the final venom with a lasso of shadows and stabs it. The rest of the wyvern die as well. Before Violet can hit the ground, time stops again and Andara catches her. She's not strong enough to hold her for long, but she does manage long enough. Violet flickers in and out of consciousness and only catches snippets of what is going on around her. She knows that Liam and one of the Griffin Flyers died. She knows Zayden is terrified because she's dying. He wants to take her to the Menders at Bazgayath, but that flight is like 12 hours and she doesn't have that long. Zayden knows one more place he can take her 
so he does. But Imogen doesn't really think it's a good idea. Bodie and Garrick tell her to shut up. Zayden carries Violet's body to someone as he tells her she has to live. Violet thinks she recognizes the voice that greets him. Zayden spends the next few days at Violet's side as she recovers. She can't die. She's not allowed to die. Uh-uh. He constantly thinks of all the time they spent together, both the good and the bad, and vows he will do everything he can, whatever it takes, to get her to love him again. Violet finally wakes up and at first doesn't remember that she felt so betrayed by Zayden, but then she does. It gets worse when she realises where he's taken her. The city that was supposedly destroyed during the rebellion, Ateria, Zayden's home. As she takes in the fact that the city still exists and she didn't know about it, which means it's been erased from history, just like the Venom and the Wyvern, Zayden tells her she still loves him. And though he didn't tell her everything he should have before, he's trusting her now with his life and everyone else's too. She hopes that somehow the missive that was left at Atherbine and the following wyvern attack was a coincidence and voices this to Zayden. Someone else responds to her though, telling her that it, was, it wasn't a coincidence. That someone is her brother Brennan, who welcomes her to the revolution. And we are fucking blown up our minds, everything. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Damn. I need the next book. I need it now. I know. We don't have to wait very long. It's too long. I know. It's too long. It's too long. So everyone, you go and wait a little bit too, because we have to share this promo from another show. But we promise we'll come right back. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. (sighs) Bloody hell, Amanda. Bloody hell. Just fucking damn. Do do, do you know that reel I mentioned at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And I had that exact same reaction. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Fuck. 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 There is no reason, rhyme, or indication that Brennan should be alive. No. None. It made sense to ha- that the older brother had been killed it made sense yeah it gave motivation it was fine yeah you do you never call that into question Mm-mm. at all and if you say that you did you're a you are goddamn a fucking liar. liar yeah that's my surprise i'm glad that that's where we're starting like i was legitimately surprised that brennan is alive at the end it completely and utterly shocked 
yeah yeah mine too it's my surprise I, we need to we need to, this needs to be said first we're yeah. going out of order yeah we're enough script people not really <sighs> yeah I have Just. a question though about it oh oh yeah so I enjoy a question do you think their mother knows <gasps> and then you have to ask is she good or the worst evil of them all i think oh now you see this is a difficult one because i think if you get if she knows she's the worst evil of them all because she's basically setting everybody up to die i don't know i do not know because she comes across as a horrible mother she's all she's all military Hundred percent through yeah. and through. She is military. You know, she probably had children because it was an obligation. Yes. It was what was expected of her. Yes. I like, don't know. When they go I don't know. when they go into her office as part of, you know, the battle games. Yeah. She has a dagger on her desk. That's obviously one of these same daggers. So, like, is she supplying them to Zayden and the rest of the marked ones to get them to the Griffin Flyers? Or was that presented to her like, oh, my God, look at what this is. Look at what they're doing. I half expect it to be like spoils of war slash memorabilia from her triumph that's that's how i kind of you think that like she took it from fen ryerson after she killed him and was like i got his knife yeah is a bit of like a remembering the purpose remembering what she can do um I don't know. I honest. I don't know. Hand on heart, I have absolutely no. At this point, I don't think we can speculate. No. We can be sure at all. We certainly can't be sure, Mm-mm. and I don't know if we can speculate because I mean, if you think about Brennan being back, like we just said, there is no clue, no indication, no Mm-mm. rhyme or reason why we should have guessed that he was going to come back, and I don't think we have enough information about the mother. And I don't know which way I would want it to go. I know. It's, ugh. I know. Because we like a person to be hateful. We do. We don't need people to have redeeming features. No. You can be a dick and just be a dick. Yeah, like Zayden. Ugh, fuck. I mean, I love him so much. I don't know what I, I mean, what's your thoughts? Do you think so? I don't know. I don't know. Like you, I have no idea. I have these thoughts. I have these questions. But there are no answers. There's no indication one way or the other. Because like with Brennan, we assumed he was dead. We've been told the entire book that he was killed, even by like professors and stuff. Not just, not just, oh, mom and sister say that he died, you know professors too are like yeah it was really it was really bad that your brother died because he's a mender and he would have been really really awesome so sorry for your loss (sighs) everybody 
said that he died. But yeah. then not not there he is. But then that also makes me ask another question. Okay. Is their dad also alive? I think if the dad's also alive, I'd be very disappointed in that. I, we need somebody to be dead. Liam's we, we dead. Need some, Liam's we need dead. somebody to be dead. Liam's dead. Oh, R.I.P. Liam. Justice for Liam, honestly. I am so upset by Liam's death. I'm, I'm devastated about Liam's death. I adored the developing relationship between him and Violet. How she was so pissed off with him at first. And was doing everything she could to escape. And then she was like, you know what? If you can't lose him, let's make him do the dirty work. <laughs> and you, you could just you could just tell that just a friendship had developed. And it was lovely. Yeah, it really, really he was. He was precious. Yes. I am, I am very unhappy that he is dead. But how perfect was his like character and like I say the relationship with Violet was built up and it was just so nice and then you don't think he's going to be a character that would be killed necessarily potentially Rhiannon or Mira yeah I think I was leaning towards those two being killed first but then him Liam dies yeah and also it's it's so cutting too because she already saved him once yeah she saved him from Jack. She used Andarna's powers. She stopped time, and then she developed her own signet powers to like to save his life. She, that's where her powers came from, is, you know, rage murder. And so you think, okay, well, he's fine. He's fine because she saved him. And then, like, the same fucking thing happens at the end, and you're like, no, please, not again. I already dealt with his death once. Can't do it. I, I, I pause. Like I didn't like pause, pause the audio, but I paused in what I was doing in myself, and just kind of sat there. I went, no, yeah. Well, and also like it. It was. I feel like it was worse when he actually died because he, you know, it's in the middle of this huge epic fucking battle, and he's fighting venom. And then his dragon dies, which is devastating. And then you think, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe they're not actually that tied together. Maybe it'll be okay. Nope. Nope. Day dies. Liam dies. And he's like, "Just, just get me to my dragon. Just get me there. It's absolutely heart wrenching. That entire battle was so cinematic it was so well done and it was so wrenching yeah it was it was magnificent and there was it was no holes barred yeah and you know talking about at the beginning when you gave us the the background information about it being a new adult mm. and it rebecca yaros gives a perfect um definition of new new adult this is mm-hmm. a perfect example of new adult because yeah the i my notes say the untaboo sexiness of it that's what i wrote down <laughs> untaboo sexiness of it i <laughs> i love untaboo sexiness that's 
untaboo sexiness you can take that and put it on a t-shirt um, i'm gonna <laughs> and there's gonna be dragons around it oh yes the, I, I love the fact that you know when they get into the, the the school and it's like you know what if you're gonna have sex have sex it doesn't matter who you're having sex with as long as it's not the leaders because that, that that's one of the rules but the one, it's not but it's not it, even it's, it's just it's, frowned upon it's frowned upon. There's one rule, don't stab a bitch while they're sleeping. Yes. And the other one is, don't sleep with the ladies. It's a bit dodgy, but shh, that's, I mean, it's unofficial. Yeah. Which I is mean, like, enough. you might as well just fuck because you might be dead tomorrow. Exactly. And that's so just what go I really on. liked about it. Just go I really on. Like, they're on birth control because nobody needs to be prego. Right. Oh, and I, I <laughs> and loved that, that both males and females have this like birth suppressant thing i think that's brilliant exactly they've both got responsibility of that which i absolutely love yes but it was just like exactly what you say have sex today because you might be dead tomorrow and i i love the fact that it was not taboo that these young adults of a legal age and with consent could just fuck just fuck all the time and what was also great about it is that you know they're fucking any anybody like Rhiannon has a crush on like literally everyone male female there are several characters that are like attracted to same sex there's like non-binary characters it's just so fucking refreshing yeah there's no explanation given as well, which I like as well. Yep. We've discussed this in other episodes where it is what it is. Yep. Accept it. Move on. Yep. Like we don't have to justify it. Nope. There's one character that uses they, them pronouns and it's just, it's just there and it's just real like it is in real life. So everyone needs to fuck off about it. Yeah. Yes. So good. Yes. I can't, I can't even really think of anything about this book that like I don't like except Dan, for the fact Dan Dan well, is a dick I mean, and asshole Dane, yeah Dane is a motherfucker I hate him but I also I also kind of didn't like how upset Violet was with Zayden at the end because really he did not tell her any lies. Yeah, he didn't tell her that it's the venom It's a lie by omission were... though. Yeah, but I mean, how do you tell someone that the fairy tales that they've grown up with their entire lives are actually real? I would just beg to to differ that he was waiting for a time where it made sense to tell her and then it just happened to happen and he couldn't control it. I believe 100% that he would have told her. I agree. I think the turning point in their relationship where I think they both see the physical intimacy was was when... I'm trying to think this through. When they started having sex, their relationship completely changed. And I think it was unspoken um, exclusivity um which you know wasn't necessary because like we've just said you know you might die tomorrow have sex might die tomorrow um there wasn't necessarily unless you say are we like totally going steady yeah, I am there's my none of that are you am my like, ah, like 
you bop, 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 hand. I think I've got hand. Let's go steady. There's none of that, you know? Yeah. But I think between Zayden and Violet, because of their dragons being a couple, they were fighting being a couple, you know? Hello, stereotype. Yeah. yeah we love a stereotype, though, sometimes. Um, I think when they started just realising, actually, no, we are attracted to each other. We do potentially even love each other and they started letting those barriers down it happened so soon um before like so, so quickly the, the 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 battle happened so soon after that there wasn't the opportunity for Zayden to be like hey hang on the fairy tales are true yeah let's think about the book that your dad's given you and let's think about the fact that the library's never heard of the book, have no record yeah. of it. Yeah. So, one, who the hell was your dad? Okay, let's ask some questions there. Is it a generational stories, quote unquote stories, that's been passed down and he's basically made a codex, but he's disguised it as a book of fairy tales for his kids, when in fact it's an instructional manual? And an accurate, more accurate history, which you know, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. How's he? How does he know? With this note, did he know what Brennan was doing? See, which that's, I all, have that's feel, yes. kind of why I question if he's still alive somewhere. I and he leaves this book for Violet. As he fakes his death and goes off to join Brennan. I don't know, firstly, how I feel about that, or firstly, if I want that. Secondly, yeah. if I want that. I don't know. There's just so many what ifs and questions. Yeah. yeah. It sets up the, the the series so beautifully. Yeah. And makes you, like we're talking now, like having all these questions crave the answers. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't... My biggest issue is we've had one gasp, shock, bombshell of the brother being alive. Mm-hmm. Is it too much repetition to have gasp, shock, bombshell, the father's also alive? Is that too much? See, I feel like that wouldn't be a surprise now. So, you know, she wakes up in in the new or the rebuilding city and it's like I can just see Brennan's walking her around and he's like oh yeah and also also our dad's the leader of the rebellion of the, of the revolution yeah that's why I fake my own death yeah it could happen yeah it would make sense I'd be okay with it I think it would be nice for him to be alive if yeah. that was the case if the father is still alive, the mum's bad. Yeah, and that's why he left. Or actually, no. If the father's still alive, he's gone to the revolution, she is feeding him the weapons. And she's the inside guy. Mm. The inside, working on so the inside. Maybe, maybe General Melgren is the worst ultimate evil of them all. Oh, I mean, he is a dick. He's a dick. You know what? I think I would be fine if it turns out that it's a family business, if revolution is a family business, 
I don't know how Mira fits into that. Maybe she's the same as Violet. Yeah, I mean, she just doesn't know. She just doesn't know. So, oh my God, there's just so many questions. Yeah. I would like it if their mother was the bad guy. I think that would be delicious. But yeah. But who knows? But who knows? I I just found myself thinking like, I wonder if Rebecca Yaros listened to this episode. She would be like, ha ha ha, these girls are stupid. <laughs> oh my God, that would be hilarious. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there was I feel something... like I'm doing going, oh, 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 and it's really I know, irritating. I know, there was I something... have a question for you though. Okay, good. There was something that I that I just thought of and I wanted to ask you and it's gone. Okay, go so, no, it's gone. So maybe it'll oh. come back to me. It's a stupid. I've got a stupid question. Okay. See, Hale and Tyon have can't uh-huh. be away from each other for too long. Uh-huh. Do you think it's just because of the horny and the need to get it on? <laughs> <laughs> Surely not. Surely that's not the only reason. But it would be fucking hilarious if it was. <laughs> How can't hilarious! Go three days. Can't go three. Is. How hilarious was that scene when she wakes up and she's like, "Ooh, oh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh what is happening? My dragons are fucking. Oh my god, I need oh, help. Oh. I need help. And you can't, oh you can't. God. It's it, it's not like you can close your eyes, put your hands over no, your ears, and be like, like, no, 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 because they're in your head. Oh my oh, god, that is some unfair." use of telepathy yeah slash bonding that's unfair it's not very nice i do love that taryn is always inside her head though and she'll just start like randomly thinking things and he's like excuse me should you be thinking that right now you need to be paying attention in class and she's like fuck and then when, like, she's thinking about Zayden or needing his powers or, you know, needing his, needing him. And he's like, should I go get the wing leader for you? Har, har, har. And she's like, you shut the fuck up, dragon. All the time. Just shut up. Oh, my God. Get out of my head. And he's like, ah. He is such a sarcastic rumdungeon. I freaking love Dad. Yeah. He's one of, he's like... I loved so many of the characters. I know. He's the best. I absolutely, I adored him. I yeah. was like, yes, I love a sarcastic animal. Do you yes. remember like ages ago talking about fantasy books and there was that sarcastic unicorn and um, the hawk and fish of fantasy books that I love. Mm-hmm. And there's just the, the sarcastic unicorn who's like, bitch, you cannot ride me because you are not pure. And he's like, oh, scandal. Love a sarcastic animal, and oh my god, Tad, he's just—he's—he's he's like, he's like the grumpy uncle who will do, who will move the world for you, yes. and will take care yes. of you. Yes. But then he'll like call you an a, 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 an idiot. Yes. I also loved Look Andorna. Look at this shithead! Aren't they annoying? Yes. Here's a lollipop. <laughs> I loved Andorna too, though, because. Oh, she's the cutest. I know. And, like, that scene where they are questioning whether she's 
where she belongs to Taryn and Segal. And they're like, she's a hatchling. And she's like, I am not. I'm two. I am two years old. I am not a baby anymore. And you're like, oh, my God, you're two. You are an infant. Stop it. You You are a tiny, tiny baby dragon. She's like, no, I am not. I am not a hatchling. I am two years old. I will be full grown soon. (laughs) You're so precious. It's adorable. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm curious what she looks like now. Because at the end of the book, after she, like, used her time stop abilities twice, and they were already talking about how, like, dragons mature very quickly. And we know that she's two. But in just just a couple of years, you know, she's going to be a full-grown dragon. And they mention at the end that, like, well, she looks different now, but, you know, she's still the same. She's fine. What does she look like? I I cannot wait to what find kind out. like what kind of dragon is she? She is going to be beautiful, regardless. Yeah, but what is she? I, I think she's going to be something special. She's going to be completely rare, something unique. She might be. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a white dragon? I don't know. Because there's all the other colors. True. Was gold dragon mentioned? Mm-mm. No. Gold was not. There is like mm. red, orange, green, brown, black. blue, and yeah. black. Is there a white dragon? I don't know. Could be. She could be. Could be gold dragon. Could be gold. She could just be gold. She could be a rainbow. She could be. I, I love know. I love when they're doing the war games and she's like, I wanna go too. And look, they made me a harness. And then she's like, okay, well, like, look, you can come and fly with us, but you are a beacon, so you got to go roll in the mud. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Just imagine her, like, belly flopping into a mud puddle <laughs> and rolling around and getting all covered. She's just precious. Splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash. Yeah. She's she so is. Precious. She's absolutely precious. Do you know what else is precious? What? Zayden's nickname for Violet. Violence. Oh, violence. Ugh. Oh. I bet Violet never realised her love language is being called violence, having her ass kicked, and daggers. Yeah. Oh. I almost wish that it was violent instead of violence, so he could call her that all the time, out loud. And, like, people would be like, did he just call her violent? No, no, he said violet. He said violet. Like, no. No, I think he said violent. I think that would have been cuter, but violence is also very good. I lo- loved it, loved it. Oh, it's just, yeah. Yeah, he's such a lovable asshole. Like, more asshole than lovable, which is just a step above my favorite type of character. And that, it, it, it's very transparent in the fact that, I mean, you know how the story is going to go. You know for a fact that Violet is going to pass all of the trials gauntlets challenges everything you know she's going to survive all the murder attempts you know she's good oh there's mention of a big black dragon that hasn't been seen for five years you know she's going to be the one that ends up with him yeah and you know the rebellion leader's son who is standoffish and appears to want to murder you 
who is a complete thirst trap, you know she's going to end up fucking his brains yeah. out. Yeah. It's the it's I'm saying obvious, but I don't mean it in a nasty derogatory no. way. No, I mean it's... it in a in a and the fact that you can actually enjoy what the, everything's going on yeah. because it's so smartly written. Yes. It's just you quite nice points. You know you're waiting to you are waiting for them to get together. And it's frustrating when they're not. But it's not a horrible frustration. It's not the will they won't they will they won't they in that really tedious way. Mm. It's like they're gonna Yeah, they're gonna. they're gonna they're gonna, but when is it gonna be? And then it just builds up and builds up and builds up and it's not until she's got a, a murder electricity powers and it's like, oh, snap. Oh, it's done so well. It is written so well. And there's so many good bombshells. And I think as we read through the series, we're going to be going, oh, shit, she actually did hint to that. She did say yeah. that. Yeah. And, that, you know, these questions that we're asking, we're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But then I think there's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to be like, hang on. Did we miss something? And we're going to reread yeah. it and go, yeah, yeah we did. Oh, yeah. my God. It was blatantly obvious now. Yeah. So I'm yeah, really... Was... I'm so pleased that this book was worth the hype because there's plenty of times where books come out and people are like, oh, my God, you have to read this book, you have to read this book, and then you read it and you go, oh, Really? But this yeah. one, no, I am so glad that we read it and are covering it on the show like when we are. You know, it's been out for a couple of months and the next one is coming out soon. But like, I think we're just, we're getting it at just the perfect time on the show because the next one comes out in a little bit more than a month. I'm pretty sure this is going to be one of those episodes like the good girl's guide to murder that everyone just keeps listening to over and over and over again i hope so and i hope everybody does enjoy the book you know not to sound like massive hipsters and i'm sure we have in the past but we are do not buy into the oh my god it's the it's the Mm-mm. book talk book of the Mm-mm. century blah 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 you know i i actively avoid book covers with book talk yeah. written on if it's a sticker i can peel off that's fine but i don't i the idea of book talk does not interest Mm-mm. me no um but yeah i'm i do know i have seen people who are like yeah fourth wing does not live up to the hype but i think if you enjoy a good fantasy book mm-hmm. if you like a little bit of drag a little bit of magic you like dragons but you know tan and sakil and andara yeah the dragons but you forget get that at points yeah they're also just like regular characters speaking all the time so you don't think oh there's a dragon talking like no it's just another character exactly and it's just it's just a a fantastic book that you can just lose yourself in and go oh snap and then you root for the characters like i root for violet yeah you know i i i I think you'll be the same where you relate to Violet quite a lot. You know, you think, yeah, be more Violet. Be more Violet. Yeah. And I just, I am so glad that I was not left down by this book. And yeah, it's just me too. Mm, so good. <laughs> Do you know, it reminds me of that book, the Dragon Riding School book I read 
freaking years ago i don't know if you remember we had this conversation on the podcast um it was during it was during the pandemic i remember because my setup was slightly different it was work before, as we were emptying my office for it to be redone and i remember telling you about a dragon riding book that i bought from hills bookshop that does not exist anymore and i got it on sale and i cannot remember for the life of me what it was but it was one of those traditional looking fantasy illustrated covers and i cannot remember anything about the title i can't remember the author i just remember reading this dragon ride dragon riding series and loving it and not finding anything similar to it because i loved that series so much and i finally found that replacement series this this has replaced that and then yeah. if i could find the original one i would be so so happy um, but you know you go, we're going back a fair few yeah and I cannot remember what it was called in any way shape or form I have big mushy memories of what it looked like I just remember buying it in the sale from Hills and reading it and then starting to buy the series and then I couldn't get any more of it and I was devastated and I finally found that dragon riding replacement series like 20 years later 25 years later god I'm old and it's it's so how a book that has literally just been published gives me nostalgia in the nicest happiest way that's amazing books man the yeah. best oh my god should we play should we play would you rather now yeah oh my god because i feel like we could just talk about this book for forever Okay. Oh, would you rather? Pew, 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 pew. We asked on social media, would you rather be the child of a commanding general or the child of a rebel leader? And unsurprisingly, Facebook, 78% rebel. Instagram, 75% rebel. TikTok, 100% rebel who doesn't want to be a rebel i mean oh my god well that's true we do have some comments brie on facebook said commanding general i would rather my parent be you know alive fiona on facebook says rebel every time that way i don't have to follow the rules <laughs> colin on facebook Ooh, tough one you see, there's something mysterious and sexy about being a rebel. So having your parent be the leader of said rebels isn't going to bring in the ladies. But then having your parent be alive and respected as a general is going to be a good time as well. Oh, how about... No, not that one. No, it's going to have to be... No, no, that's the wrong decision. Uh, reboot error, reboot error. This unit will return to factory settings. Please enjoy your Colatron 5000. <laughs> Please input username. Thank you for registering. Yamar. <laughs> How may I assist you? Or would you rather you say, very well. The obvious option is rebel leader. We got there eventually. <laughs> Nina on Facebook says rebel leader for many reasons. Uniforms. I've had enough of school and work uniforms. Give me some moody, eclectic wardrobe choices. Underdogs are always more appealing. They're quick-witted, tricksy folk who are usually on the side of the greater good. They don't fight and play by the rules. That's more my style. Much better parenting option over some rigid shirt tucker. 
I don't know what it is, but rigid shirt tucker is like a fantastic put down. <laughs> Love it. TJ Pritt's author on Instagram said, The Rebel Road all the way it is. Glam Glam Jen on Instagram said, I shall be the son of a commanding general. When this dystopia novel opens, I'll be yelling at my servants for bringing me cold toast. Then I'll practice my Draco Malfoy sneers in the mirror. But I'm going to meet the bland heroine destined to overthrow my mom. Fortunately for me, she'll fall in love with beds, bathtubs, and video games and leave the cause. Forget that rebellion nonsense. All hail the commanding general! <laughs> and lastly, we have Kelly DeVos on Instagram, one of our author friends. I just feel like being the kid of a general would have more perk. Mmm. 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 I don't even feel like we have to answer this question. Well, I think we do. Do you? I I'm do. obviously a rebel. No question. Now, do you, do you know what? I what? think people automatically think the rebels are good guys. Now, rebels see, in all... my head, the rebels are the like the bad guys. Yeah. Or well, they're the lovable assholes. Yes, because that's you. But the impression, I don't know, that's the impression I get, that... People think, well, the commanding general is boring and stoic and... Rigid shirt tucker. Rigid shirt tucker. And an asshole. Whereas the rebellion people have, you know, there's, there's a lot more free reign to be, a bit more independent. However, I think the rebellions are also a hell of a lot more violent. And they're not always correct. How many revolutions have taken place where the rebels are not necessarily the good guys? Yeah. So there's a stereotype going on here. And I can't get... I struggle and think rebel and I automatically think princess slash general Leia. And I'm like, oh, you know, I want to work with, with, that, with, with that. No, no. Yes, that's perfect. It's correct in Star Wars, but not necessarily the case i'm going to say commanding general another bombshell friends another bombshell because rebels aren't always on the right side of the of history i believe they are in this book claire maybe but we haven't specified it's going to be the fourth wing i mean if we're saying the fourth wing if we're saying it's it, it is is that mother actually ever named? I cannot remember. If we're saying, are you Violet or uh, are you Zayden? I'm going to be Zayden. If if it's that case, I will but, pick I mean, I would parent. almost pick Violet in that case. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the commanding general. I'm going to go commanding general for for okay. to be rebellious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, shall we move on to the next question? Would you rather cross the parapet or complete only one task of the gauntlet? And you can choose which gauntlet task. <laughs> oh my god, the gauntlet task. I could my knees could not cope with any of either of these. 
Um, I, I'm going to cross the, the parapet. I think I know you will not pick that because of the height issue, but I think I'm going to cross the parapet. I mean, any task of the gauntlet is also terrible because you're like just fucking scaling the side of a mountain. Yeah. I I can't lift my own body weight. I've got strong. I'm 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 strong upper body, but not to the like. I can't lift my own body weight. I can punch a dude. I can lift a lot. But I can't lift my own body weight. I don't have that kind of muscle strength dexterity that's needed. Crossing the parapet and I'm not doing it in the fancy costume dress where Violet got told off for that, which was hilarious. I'm going to be doing it in dragon scale armour. Are you going to be wearing two good boots? Or are you I'm giving one of your boots away? I'm wearing proper boots. I'm not giving no shit away. <laughs> I feel like I want to do the gauntlet because in my head the gauntlet is you know america's favorite 80s early 90s reality show american gladiators which i'm pretty sure you had something very similar in the uk we we just had gladiator yes gladiator my brother was in the fan club that's amazing but that's what i feel like my mum fancied wolf there was a wolf in, like, the reboot that they tried to get going here. And I guess that was probably early 2000s. There was a guy called Wolf. And, I mean, they always wore spandex, and they were just amazing. And I always wanted to be on American Gladiators when I was a kid, so I, I have to I have to go at the gauntlet. I probably will fall. <laughs> but I'm going to try it. Fair enough. Would you rather wield lightning or shadows? This is probably one of the most difficult would you rather questions we have ever presented to me. Because I have... I love the thought of lightning wielding. And, like, I've written short stories and stuff and just imagined me as a character who can wield lightning like my username on like my game consoles is fucking electrocute so i i would love to wield lightning but fucking shadows it's darkness and i am dead inside so i would love to be surrounded by darkness all the time it would be amazing i don't know if i can choose (gasps) i love both of them and i think it's fantastic that these two powers are put together you know the characters are put together i just oh god i love it It's, it's like two of my most favorite things i don't know I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Question. Sorry, should have asked this in the discussion, but we're talking about powers. Yeah. The one who could read my minds got the neck snapped very viciously. Wonderful scene. Yes. Why hasn't Dane had that happen considering he can take memories which is an awfully similar 
ability? I think it's because Danes requires touch. And the other one was just, could just read memories all the time. And, like, he was more of a liability because, like, if you're keeping secrets, he could just walk by you and be like, oh, hey, what's up? I, I know what you're thinking. But Dane has to touch. And so if you wanted to keep a secret from Dane, you just have to stay out of reach of his hands. You just have to stop him from touching your fucking face. It's a face that's touch. Awesome. It's face touch, too, which is very obvious. What an absolute asshole. Fucking Dane. hate that guy. Stop touching people's faces. Should have eyes next snapped. Next, would you have? Did you answer this question? Because yeah, I you didn't. Just didn't hear. You just didn't hear. <laughs> I think you, I'm gonna. You can, you can you can hear my answer in the edit. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna pick lightning. Just because it's been what I've always wanted to do. Oh, I'm going to pick Shadow because I feel like I could turn into the... I could I could, I could live my best villain life as well. I mean, I could live an amazing villain life wielding lightning as well. Well, we'll just do it together. I'll yeah. create massive shadows and you can put some lightning in there. Okay. And it'll look really cool. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Would you rather... Ride a dragon, a griffin, or a wyvern? Dragon. Wyvern. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Although wyvern are weird. Wyvern are weird because they've got their little legs and their little... They have to walk around, you know, with their... With their wing hands... They don't have, they don't have actual feet. I mean, they they do. They have two, but <laughs> I don't know. Do but I have face? to choose the wyvern in this case because you know they're the bad guys. Well, I'm picking a dragon. Oh, oh, see previous conversation about <sighs> yeah. dragon riding school books. Yeah, sorry, Griffins. <sighs> we just kind of left you. Griffins are too bird-like for me, and you know you my feelings like on large birds. You don't like a bird. Like some birds. Last, would you rather? Would you rather find out that venom and wyvern are real, or find out that people knew and refused to help? Or oh god, there's a third. There's a third. Find out that your brother was alive and part of the rebellion. God. What revelation do you want? What revelation can you handle? I want to find out that Venon and Wyvern are real. That is what I want to find out. Because I feel like I would be so mad if I found out that people already knew about it and weren't doing anything about it. Yeah. And, like, finding out that your brother is alive, like, that just feels more painful feels like a betrayal doesn't it It does yeah so i'm gonna find out that that the venom and wyvern are real that was an amazing bit of the book yeah 
do you know every time she mentioned that book and how it had the wyverns and you know we talked about the venom and stuff you will have been doing the same going because they're real yeah they're real it's telling you they're real they are real the book is real <laughs> your daddy knew listen listen to the dead I am going to pick to find out that your brother is alive and part of the rebellion because then he'll tell us that Venom and Wyvern are real. <laughs> so be and, a twofer. And that people know and are refusing yeah. to help. You, yeah. Well, you fact, because then at least you've got your brother, yay. Yeah. You're part of a revolution that's going like, to you know, actually be the right side of history, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So I'm finding the loophole and then that'll naturally lead into finding out all of the that's other bits and pieces that's fine <laughs> all right favorite final thought quote what do you got oh god just read the whole goddamn book just, oh my god yes just read it just just get this book into your brain cells yeah but if you want me to read some quotes out to you i, I will do. i will justice is not always merciful You're not attracted to toxic men, I remind myself. And yet, here I am, getting all attracted. <laughs> I love the self-awareness. Yes. Was everyone's dragon a crumb dungeon? Or just mine? <laughs> and he's like, hi, I can hear you. Hello. <laughs> I'm used to functioning in pain, asshole. Are you... Oh, I think that's just indicative of being a woman. <laughs> yeah. There's also something that like we didn't even talk about in the book at all, which everyone is really like impressed by because Violet has she's very she is very weak. She is very frail because she has like a disorder that causes her, you know, bones and ligaments and stuff to not function properly which is something that the author also deals with and it's like real in real life that's also just beautifully done we didn't even talk about that because we were too busy talking about lovable assholes and dragons exactly as somebody who suffers from like massive joint pain right now and has for quite some time it was nice to actually have a character a main character who has to deal with um constant pain yeah and i'm not saying frailty but there is weakness in those joints yeah it's not our fault and not not her fault and having to overcome them and being able to overcome them and find like the like the 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 saddle is an aid a necessary aid to be able to help her in her daily life and normalizing that yeah Loved it. Loved yeah, it. So good. Anywho, sorry, sorry. Your quotes, please. Okay. I want him. There aren't enough curse words in the world for this. <laughs> oh, there were so many swears in this book. I love so that. So many. Beautiful fucking asshole. There we go. It's like that's so close to lovable asshole. It's just right there. When did I ever give you the impression that I give a fuck what people think about me? 
Love it. Oh, so good. Aspirational. This next one that I have is, there's a sentence or two in between, so there will be a pause, but, gods, you are such a cliche, Zayden. You are a villain hiding in plain fucking sight. (laughs) But then he comes back with, I might be a villain to some, but not you. Damn it. Damn it. And I feel like we would just be remiss if we did not say, I will not die today. That's so good. I'm honestly surprised that you didn't say, my breath catches and my body warms, the traitorous bitch. (laughs) So good. I've tried to limit myself, if I'm honest. God, I know. I know. There's just so many quotes in this book. So many. And they're all full of all the curse words. It's just so There aren't enough. There aren't enough curse words. I think that's one of the reasons why I like this book so much as well. It's not afraid to have a good cuss. No. What did you say? What did you say earlier? It's un... Untab- what did you say? Untaboo sexiness. Untaboo sexiness. Yes. There's an untaboo sexiness about <sighs> it. Yeah, it's not. It's not afraid to just be full of fucks. Full of fucks. <sighs> so good. Okay, if you liked this, try this. What are you gonna suggest? I found entirely too many books that we need to read. When I was doing my research for this one, I think I found like three or four books. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna read all of uh, all no, of them though. No, pick a favorite. I know. I was trying to think of like rather than just being a stereotype and going down the dragon route, I was trying to think of like satisfying fantasy. Yeah. And as soon as I think about like favorite fantasies, I automatically go to the magician, the Black Magician trilogy by Trudy Canavan. But I've recommended it before. People know about it. It's an older series. If we were to cover it, it would be a late to the party. I yeah. love that series. Yeah. I adore it. So I asked my husband because oh. he loves fantasy, and one of his favorite fantasy writers is Joe Abercrombie. And Joe Abercrombie actually covers YA and new adult books as well, which I didn't realise. So I had a look. And Joe Abercrombie is an excellent author, and he seems like a really nice guy as well. And he's got a YA series called The Shattered Sea Trilogy. And the first book is called Half a King. Um, And it sounds really fun. And it's hashtag tenuous link, but it sounds like a really satisfying fantasy, which obviously Fourth Wing was. Um, Plus the books are absolutely fucking gorgeous. Anywho, (laughs) the summary from Goodreads. Betrayed by his family and left for dead, Prince Yavi, reluctant heir to the divided kingdom, has vowed to reclaim a throne he never wanted. But first he must survive cruelty, chains and the bitter waters of the shattered sea itself, all with only one good hand. Born a weakling in the eyes of a hard, cold world, he cannot grip a shield or swing an axe, so has sharpened his mind to deadly to a deadly edge. Gathering a strange fellowship of the outcast, he finds they can help him more than any noble could. Even so, Yarvi's path may end as it begins in twists, 
traps and tragedy. Ooh. And there's a lot of like similarities to Violet and like her group and the rebellion. And I'm hoping there's swears because Drama Crombie does a he does a fantastic lovable bastard as well. Not just an asshole, a lovable bastard. Um, and I enjoyed the fact that it's actually a male protagonist. Oh, that's fun too. And I know how much you enjoy a male lead I because do. it's not often. So I, I thought there was just so much in this series that just rings for us. I had to, I had to recommend it. Yeah. Out of your millions that you've picked, I've been struggling. I'm struggling. Give, give at least tell me I the will. titles and authors, and then just give me the summary for one. Okay. So the three that I was toying with are Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. Okay. The Serpent and the Wings of Night by Carissa Broadbent, which has fucking vampires. Or Daughter of the Drowned Empire by Frankie Diane Malice. Ooh. And I think that's the one I'm going to go with. Okay. Lady Liriana Batavia is third in line to the seat of power in Bamaria, a position of wealth and privilege, but not safety. Bamaria falls under the rule of the Lumerian Empire, survivors of a celestial war whose island sank in the drowning. Now, all Lumerians submit to the emperor and his strict laws about magic. He decides what magic can be practiced and what powers remain forbidden. He decides who will die for possession of forbidden magic. Lear's own cousin was executed for wielding the wrong kind, and for years Lear has sworn to protect her older sisters, helping them conceal their own illicit magic. But when Lear must participate in the ceremony that reveals her power, she uncovers something else entirely. Something that means banishment from the Empire. Faced with death in exile and leaving her sisters behind, Lear has no choice but to accept a deadly contract. She has seven months to train as a warrior and pass the Emperor's brutal test of strength, all without magic. But when she's forced to train with Lord Ryan Hart, the man she's secretly loved since she was a girl, a feared warrior in exile himself, forbidden to her in every way, <laughs> she's in danger of losing far more than her family, life, and country. Rebel forces and an invading army are destabilizing Bamaria, just as her family's secrets threaten to reveal themselves. Surviving the training and saving her sisters may mean sacrificing her own heart. <gasps> Sounds fantastic. Because they all do. They all do. Well, you're just going to have to recommend them week by week. God, I know. It's hard to do that, though, when we have hashtag tenuous links. I mean, sometimes it's just hashtag no link at all, but this is a good book. Yeah, sometimes you're just like, fuck it, read this book. Exactly. Okay, give us a new or indie spotlight, please. Okay, this one is called Heartless Hunter by Kristen Siccarelli. It comes out February 20th, 2024. And I'm pretty sure friend of the show, Kendara Blake, might have blurbed this one. So, gotta go with it. Cool. 
On the night Rune's life changed forever, blood ran in the streets. Like, that's all I needed now. Just stop there. Done. Done. Now, in the aftermath of a devastating revolution, witches have been diminished from powerful rulers to outcasts, ruthlessly hunted due to their waning magic, and Rune must hide what she is. Spending her days pretending to be nothing more than a vapid young socialite, Rune spends her nights as the Crimson Moth, a witch vigilante who rescues her kind from being purged. No, a, no, I don't right? know anymore. I know, right? When a rescue goes wrong, she decides to throw the witch hunters off her scent and gain the intel she desperately needs by courting the handsome Gideon Sharp, a notorious and unforgiving witch hunter loyal to the revolution who she can't help but find herself falling for. Gideon loathes the decadence and superficiality Rune represents, but when he learns the Crimson Moth has been using Rune's merchant ships to smuggle renegade witches out of the Republic, he inserts himself into her social circles by pretending to court her right back. He soon realizes that beneath her beauty and shallow facade is someone fiercely intelligent and tender who feels like his perfect match. Except, what if she's the very villain he's been hunting? <sighs> that sounds so much fun. <laughs> it sounds so good. That sounds, I, that sounds like a Kandara Blick Blurb book. Yeah. So it doesn't come out until February 2024. So I think we should just get pre get on the hype train for that one. Yes, yes, all the hells, yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh my god, that yeah, so good, so mm. good. Okay, <laughs> well, I just want to say this is the last episode of the fifth year. Of fictional hangover so we're Whoa. about to start year fucking six which is Whoa. amazing and we when we will stop referring to the before the, the before times because the, the ratio has well outweighed i know i know it still exists though we can't it still exists we can't pretend that it doesn't it doesn't but I, I, i'm fighting against somebody who did 50 episodes yeah you're not fighting if you're fighting you won the fight i could take a bitch you won the fight a long 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 fucking time ago i could definitely take a bitch you could take a bitch (laughs) oh my god that's it for this episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda i'm claire join us next time as we discuss you're not supposed to die tonight damn by Kaylin Barron. We love a good Kaylin Barron book. She's really good. So good. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. The other book is the second one in the series. Go down and get it in me now. I know.
you can find us at fictionalhangover.com follow us on instagram threads tiktok and youtube at fictionalhangover and find us on facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover if you like this episode check out our others and be sure to rate review and subscribe so you don't miss out and finally special thanks to Liz emerson for our music you can find her on facebook and patreon thanks for listening